Hey, you're listening to Innovators Can Laugh, the fun startup podcast. I'm your host, Eric Nocher. On ICL, we interview an innovative entrepreneur in the European tech startup scene every week. My goal is to have my guests share their wisdom while having a little fun in the process. Now let's dive in. Hello, beautiful people. How are y'all doing? I'm Eric Melcher, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me out of your very busy day as I get to talk to some of the most inspiring and innovative people in the startup scene here in Europe. Now, I'm going to introduce you to Mercea Popa, but before I do that, I don't want you to miss out on a single episode of the show. So whatever platform you're on right now, if you haven't already, just reach out and give that subscribe button a push. That way you're notified every time there is a new episode. Anyway, my friends, excited about this. I'd like to introduce you to Marcea Popa. He is co-founder of Medicai, a Romanian medtech startup. Medicai is a collaborative imaging platform that enables better sharing and communication between patients, doctors, and clinics. They currently have 120 customers and are projected to do about $1.5 million in revenue for 2023. Prior to Medicai, Mercea and a friend co-founded SkinVision, a skin cancer screening app that detects melanoma from images taken on a smartphone. Mercea, welcome to Innovators Can Laugh. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So Mercea, I'm curious, where did you grow up and had, how did that impact your view of the world, Mercea? I, I grew up right here in, in Bucharest, Romania. So um, I think that that kind of gives you a grim view of the world. But um, you said grim. I think, you, know, you said grim. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, well, actually, well, actually I, I am joking, but I think there's a you know there is some truth to it. Yeah. And um, so we yeah. Well, your childhood was what back like in the what the eighties maybe or in early nineties what? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. It was eighty. So that that's when I was born. That that was I was born in '85, and then five years later the revolution came. Not that I took notice, but that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I kind of grew up in the '90s. Okay. Okay. Now, what was the? Um, I guess what was your childhood like? And and also, was there any good advice or the best advice you ever got from maybe your mom or dad that you've kept to heart? Well, my I I I do think fondly of my childhood, so I guess it it was. I, I liked it. It was nice. Um, some some advice. Yeah, and I don't know. Apart from keep learning, <laughs> which I, I never, I, I always thought, yeah, you know, this is what grown ups say. So yeah. that, that was I can remember. My father was always, you need to keep learning, keep improving. Okay. And I always thought, yeah, sure. Yeah. When you brought your report card home, was he, uh, you know, did he like review it with the with the microscope and <laughs> and say, okay, what happened here? Why did you get this grade? Tell me about it. Well, Romanian school wasn't like that. So report card was kind of optional. Sometimes you'd have, and, and kind of, you know, as we grew, you, you move on to, to, well, let's call it higher education. Like, you know, you get into gymnasium, gymnasium and then high school. It's, uh, yeah, they, they just ask, what do you get? What are your grades? Oh, they're good enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, was, I was always difficult because I only learned what I liked. So if there was something, you know, that I didn't like in it hell with it yeah okay what i don't get is uh most kids here um they get out you know like around 12 o'clock or school only lasts four hours whereas in the states i mean you went to school like at least seven hours um so i always joke with my wife 
if I ever run for like city council or for mayor or some government office here in Romania, that's going to be on my agenda. You know, send this, send the kids to school full time till three o'clock. <laughs> yeah, twenty four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, tell us about Medicai. What does it do? So, um, yeah, it does a lot actually. Um, in in a nutshell, we we help uh, doctors. Um, medical service providers and patients share and collaborate in a better way on medical data. Mostly we focus on imaging. So in other words, you know, as a patient, you go into an MRI machine and they keep you there for an hour looking at different things in your body. And at the end, they say, okay, you're going to get a CD, which is a bit crazy because you, you just got out of a $1 million machine, right? <laughs> and was, I don't even have a a CD-ROM drive on my laptop. So, okay, thank you very much for the CD, but what am I going to do with yeah. it? And the the next thing you need to do as a patient is you call up your doctor, the one that requested the MRI, and you're going to take that CD, put it in your pocket, and then walk towards that clinic or get into a bus, Uber, subway, yeah. whatever. And it, it's kind of like, you know, that's the ideal uh, route. But what happens in reality is you're going to call up the doctor and they're going to say, sure, let's set up an appointment. And it's usually three weeks away. Yeah. So by the time you get to the MRI machine, you get back to your specialist and it's a month has gone by. Yeah. Nobody knows, you know, the doctor can't remember what, uh, what you were there for. So we see a lot of delays in, in, in patient treatment. We see a lot of mistakes and, um, <laughs> It also frequently happens that you go back to the doctor with the MRI and they say, oh, interesting, but this is not something I can treat. You need a surgeon. Go see a surgeon. And then you <laughs> see everything happens all over again, right? So it's so inefficient, Mercea. Why are we doing it like this for so long? The way you put it, the way I hear you tell it, it's like, wait a minute. I can instantly use Glovo or Uber Eats to order food and it's going to come to my door in like 45 minutes. Pago is an app that you could pay all of your utility bills really quickly from your phone. And yet I never thought about this, but you're right. When I've gone to go get an MRI, I've had to go into a separate clinic, get some kind of disc, schedule an appointment with my doctor so that he can review it and then wait for the, for the diagnosis. You know, usually six weeks, maybe even eight weeks than, later than when I first started experience, you know, the pain or discomfort. So yeah, there's just a lot of time that's gone by that's being wasted. And so it sounds to me like Medicai is making it super easy so that results from your diagnosis can be shared across clinics, across doctors, uh, just like spontaneously. I mean, w would you say that's correct? Yeah. So th there's this whole discussion about, you know, the the EHR or the electronic electronic health record of the patient and how to make it available. Right? Imaging is a subset of that and it's kind of a special skill set. So out of that whole picture, what we're handling is imaging. And imaging might mean anything from a, an MRI or a CT scan, but also include videos like endoscopies or yeah. digital pathology, right? So for, for oncology patients, you, you do a biopsy and that generates images. So you could also be, you know, we can think of a, of an environment where the, the data can, the data must flow. So it's so the patient doesn't. Yeah. And it's so, you know, in a way, think of us as what we're trying to build is the internet of imaging. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Cause, Cause so, and, and the other, the other 
there's a lot of irony in this, to be honest. So um, we're talking about AI. And this is how we started with, with Medikai, actually. We said, we're going to do AI. We, we were coming out of scan vision um, and computer vision. We knew how to do computer vision. We knew, we knew how to do AI and had, a, had an understanding of what it means to build a solution in the healthcare system. And then we got into this space and it was like, okay, CDs trip down memory. Lane, right? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. I'm using, the, I'm using my smartphone to detect skin cancer. I'm going backwards yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. This is the doctor saying, okay, this is, this is, you know, holding a CD. This is how we get images. Oh. <laughs> so, so, you know, AI plus CDs. Yeah. They don't, it's like, you know, they don't mix. Okay. So how's this going to work? And. At the same time, you know, you go on LinkedIn and then, or you, you start reading, hey, uh, FDA just approved 250 algorithms for radiology. So, you know, thinking 10 years from now, where do we want to have this system? It's like, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, wait 10 years until I get something. Probably what's going to happen, we're going to, each year you're going to go into an MRI machine or a CT scan. And then that data will be sent to, I don't know, a hundred AI algorithms that will look over that data and tell you, look, if you continue like this, you're going to, in 10 years time, you're going to develop this or that, right? So it's going to move towards preventive care and screening. But how's that going to work? So are we going to ship out a hundred CDs? (laughs) You're going to need a different infrastructure. And also it's, you know... Actually, it's, it's interesting because patients don't usually realize, but behind the MRI machine sits a radiologist. Yeah. It's not, it's not the surgeon that looks over the yeah. images, right? And, and it's not the surgeon or your clinician that diagnoses the image. It's a radiologist. And if you want to, you know, if you want to screen the population of the Amazon, you're not going to have a radiologist sitting next to the MRI machine in the jungle. Yeah. Right. And then thinking, and then it's, we don't even need to go that far. We can think of the remote villages in Romania or think of what's happening now in the Ukraine or Africa. Yeah. So we're not going to have enough radiologists. And, and then even if you get one radiologist to sit behind the MRI, it's not realistic to think that that radiologist will be an expert in anything or everything. Yeah. Yeah. He, so, he may be tired too. Or he, like you said, he may just come out of school and not really have that much experience under his belt. Who knows? Yeah. So humans have this bad habit of sleeping and eating. They, they can't work 24 hours a day. Yeah. So we're probably going to need different solutions for this. And we started tackling the infrastructure part. So how do you create this, this layer that can, that allows the transfer of this data, but at the same time, how do you do it? taking into account different regulations, you're crossing borders, you're crossing borders in the EU, US, um, you know, and how do you do this compliant to all regulations and, and, and all uh, technology stuff? Yeah, but you guys seem to figure it out. In fact, there was a story that I read where it was some Romanian med tech startup was able to help doctors uh, diagnose yeah. cancer patients coming uh, from Ukraine. These were Ukrainian refugees. And uh, I guess they were maybe, you know, going into Moldova and, um, you know, they were able to use your technology to really get these images to the appropriate doctors or hospitals or clinics um, in a very short amount of time. So how did you guys crack that, crack that code, Marcea? How are you guys doing it? Well, so, so we, we've built the, the infrastructure. So the whole magic happens if you have the infrastructure. And then when the, 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 the problem came in, we were 
we were, it, it was easy for us to react fast. And in two weeks, everything was set up. So the, the challenge is in, okay, you have data in different places. You need to make, make that data available to a specialist in the US, a specialist in Europe, and allow the, uh, the patient in the Ukraine or different place to upload it. So it becomes a matter of how do you orchestrate all these data repositories? And then how do you make the data available in a compliant way? Also, this the imaging, you know, we're talking about large files, so it's not like I'm sending over a PDF. Yeah. And so and, and you need, well, we, we did spend some time working on this. Um, but what, what we're doing, if you want to go into the technicalities of it, what we're doing is think of us as a cloud layer that creates a, an index of all the data that we're managing. So we don't, we don't centralize the data. We work with the, the systems that the hospitals already have, but we map the data. Um, the users of the platform are all, um, uh, also managed by, uh, by the cloud. So at a, at a kind of a cloud level, so okay. to speak. And then we know each user, um, what access they have and, and what data specifically. Okay. So this is how we keep things compliant. And then we've built all the components needed to be able to open the data in a browser, make okay. it lightweight, uh, use any device. Yeah. So then, then if you have this, then it's just a matter of, okay, how can I find the right players in the right spots yeah. to, you know, to, to work with this. And the idea with Ukraine, um, problem was, so of course, war, you know, Russia came in, there was war, and then you had these patients that had to get treatment for oncology, for, for cancer, yeah. oncology uh, patients. And because everything was closing down, you, you can't do radiotherapy, radiation treatment for, for cancer while bombs are hitting yeah. your city. Because you need a reliable power supply, for example, right? And so, so we need, we had to find different clinics in different places that could treat these patients. But the first thing is you need to know what treatment they need. So first step, get the data. Second step, do a, uh, a treatment plan. So you need to have experts looking at these cases, um, deciding what the patient needs, and then start allocating patients to the facilities that can actually receive them. Who is communicating with the patients at this time? The doctors. So they're the interface. We're just a technology provider. We make it possible, but it's the doctors that do the magic. Gotcha. Okay. And then we had, we had, um, so this is, this was a really passionate team of doctors, uh, working out of the U S Canada. So basically a, so top level world, world-class team of specialists looking at these cases, which is, which opens a, another interesting door. Um, and, and, uh, another interesting discussion, the, it's about access to expertise. Yeah. So how do you provide access to the best expertise to people, even if those people live in the mountains or, you know, on an island. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess rough estimate, I mean, how many cancer uh, refugees were coming over at the border and were able to uh, benefit from uh, Medi-Chi and this treatment? So, this wasn't just refugees. This was, these were people living in the Ukraine that couldn't find treatment. So it's, I think right now it's in the order of the hundreds. Okay. And if you want, I can get probably get an exact number. No, 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 I don't need an exact number. And so right now, um, you're primarily in, in just Romania, correct? Are yeah. there plans? We started plans to go international. Yeah, definitely. So we uh, and we are looking very much at the U.S. market. Okay. Um, actually, now Medica is a U.S. company. So we uh, we did the first step. 
and now we uh, we have a few pilots that we're starting in the U.S. and then we want to expand over there as well. Okay, how were you able to get traction? Because you've got over um, you know 100 different clinics and hospitals utilizing this. Um, you know, getting the first few though that's the hardest. How, how what did you do, Marcia? Well, so the first clinic was the hardest, and then the second, and then, then but then gradually becomes easier. Um, I found a I found a neurology clinic and. I went to them and um, we were also lucky because these guys were, you know, a, a younger entrepreneurial understood technology and we were talking about something. So it, the, usually the first problem is you, you go into your first uh, potential customer or partner and you tell them, the first thing you tell them is imagine something. So you need people that can imagine the thing you're talking about. And we were lucky in that sense. And I told them, look, we're a startup. We want to do something in imaging. Um, and if you're willing to work with us and give us feedback at the end of this process, we might have something that actually helps you. Yeah. Otherwise I'm going to build something blind and who knows what, and no, nobody's going to gain anything out of it. So we were able to get the first clinic and they worked with us on improving the product and making it something that they could actually use in their day-to-day -day lives. And then we started looking at who are they collaborating with? And then we started talking, engaging and talking to those specialists. And so on and so forth. And then it was about, you know, we have this quality of, of being a network okay. and it, it kind of, you know, if you start using it and you like it, then it becomes your interest of bringing others on board. So, so they can also benefit from it. Yeah. And this kind of grows the network. And right now in Romania, we have close to 4,000 doctors signed okay. up and we see hundreds opening the app every day. And we're just, you know, we're excited about growing this network and, um, see where we can take oh, it. Oh, man. That's fascinating. Um, very, very fascinating, Marcea. Uh, what's your biggest goal this year, 2023? Uh, getting to 2024. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, um, well, we were happy with what we're doing and we just want to, you know, be able to keep up the pace and we're, we're growing. So this is in terms of business um, and opening, opening up the U.S. We're really excited about it because we see huge potential over there. Okay. All right. And what's a, what's a big mistake, uh, whether it was with Medicai or your previous startup um, that you made and you vow you will never make again? Okay. So I have a long list. Now, <laughs> um, I think it's so, you know, one thing, and this is, this is something I always say that I'm not going to do again. And I always end up doing um, there's all, you know, so one thing I've learned from, from these two companies is, tech startups, especially if you go for the VC model or you want to scale, it's, it's timing. I mean, 70, 80% of it is timing. And what you need to make sure when you start doing something is that there is a hungry market that's underserved and looking for your product. Right? So it's kind of, you, you need to make sure that what you're doing is something that the people are looking for. Not all the people, not all the world, but there is a segment out there that's, that's looking for what you're doing. And when they see it, they're going to say, yeah, I've been looking for this and thank you. I, I want to have this. And this is something you can probably test and, and, and look out for, um, before you do the first funding round, before you, you line, you, you write the first line of code, right? And there's this temptation for entrepreneurs to get excited about an idea that they, uh, that they've had, and they, they start skipping these steps. And of course it starts costing you down the line because it's, you haven't validated it properly. I mean, like, look at what we did with Medica in, in the beginning, we said, we're going to do AI and 
it's it costs you six months, twelve months, um, and it, it's not. Don't get me wrong; it's not waste, right? This is this is a learning, yeah. and it's kind of it's an investment you've made in the company. But it it can you can make it more efficient. Just by just by spending three months and researching and thinking of the small tests that you can do, and you could probably you can probably I mean in in our case we could have probably saved six months at least. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I have a few uh, rapid fire questions for you, Marcea. And uh, again, just give me the first answer that pops to your head. First one: uh, Would you rather have fifty thousand dollars cash or dinner with Mark Cuban? Um, uh, fifty thousand. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what's the most interesting thing you've done in the last 26 days? Most interesting thing in the last 26 days? I don't know. For me, the last 26 days were like one big day. They started merging together. Um, I, unfortunately, I can't. What was it? Dinner at a restaurant. Okay. That was the most exciting thing I did in the last 26 days. It sounds days. like my life. You know, I got two little kids. My life's not too exciting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry I didn't get hired by a corporation. I have to work in a startup, so that's the most exciting part, going for dinner or a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what is a contest or a game or a challenge you have won before? <sighs> Every day is a challenge. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not thinking of a game. I don't know. I play tennis. Sometimes I win. Okay. Does that count? Hey, I play tennis too. All right. I, yeah, we should. Yeah, I'm mediocre. I'm not that good, though. So, you know. Yeah, so am I. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, it should be a decent game then. Yeah. Okay. And haven't played tennis in the last 26 days. So I, yeah. I, I took that into it. Shit, I haven't played like in the last year, I think. All right. All right. Who did you want to be when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, I know. I've, since, since I was a kid, I never, never I had this image of myself as being a. Uh, an owner of stuff so that, that's kind of the um but that was because i was a lot more naive than i am today now you just want to you know yeah at, at one point you transition towards being i just want to you know have a, a a good life and that's it okay so um i didn't you know i was it wasn't like the other kids they said i want to be an astronaut remember i had colleagues who were saying i want to be a um, um heavy uh, heavy machinery driver or something. That's, that wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, what I think you're doing is quite fascinating. Um, you're giving people the power to um, to own and have something, uh, the power into like manage uh, their healthcare in, in some aspects. And so it's, it's very, very cool. In the beginning, I asked you about your childhood. You said it was kind of grim. What would you say now, though, if, if you were a child again growing up now? Would you still feel that way? Or how would you feel now about Romania? No, I didn't. Yeah, so my childhood wasn't grim. It just gave us a grim outlook. But that was Romania at the time. So we, Romania was a country coming out of communism. And then we had this. Um, and I know I don't know about other peoples, right? So why my childhood was Romania. But Romanians have an attitude towards themselves as like, yeah, we, there's nothing working here. And it's that this is right. So we're nothing can work in Romania. We're, we're all doomed. So I, I think that kind of rubbed off on, on, on myself. My childhood was good, but the outlook. So thinking of the future where Romania is going and where the country is going, that was a bit like, yeah. And you know, you're a kid, what do you yeah. know? You're just taking on the attitudes of others. So, um, I think 
I believe, and even in Romania, and, and Romania has improved dramatically over the last 20, 30 years. So now if you're a kid, I think it's just the, you know, this, this, uh, this world of opportunity and everything's connected and you can see everything. Um, so you're, you're far more exposed to new things than we were in the yeah. 90s. The other, the other side of this, I think this is also a problem because kids need to be down to earth a bit. I mean, you can't be anything. Right. Or you might be, but you, you kind of, you know, the, if you don't want to be disappointed, lower your expectations. Right. So, um, th there needs to be a balance. And I, I think it's, um, it, it also, it might work out, you know, for, for some, it might work out just fine for others. It might not, but I, I guess it also comes down to how much risk do you want to take on it? And that, what I don't know is how many at the end of the day, and you know, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, how many people will be happy and satisfied and how many will not? Yeah. Yeah. But I, to answer your question without making it complicated, I think, I think right now it, it's, I mean, today things are a lot better than, than they used to be in the, in the nineties. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I lived here, um, uh, about 13, 14 years ago and, um, it, it definitely appears that way. So definitely an agreement there. Rochea, thank you so much for being on Innovators Can Laugh. Where can people learn more about you and Medikai? Oh, we, uh, we have a website. Uh, we are um, online. I'm on LinkedIn or, you know, just being me happy to connect. Uh, our website's medikai.io or .org. Okay. Uh, both are us. And yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. And for those listening, think about how inspired you feel right now from Rochea's story. Uh, imagine you had missed out on that. So if you haven't already, give that subscribe button a push. That way you're notified every time there's a new episode. But more importantly, that you don't miss out on the stories like you're hearing right now. Now, before you go on with the rest of your day, I want you to hear something. You are awesome. Yes, you. Now, you may be saying, come on, Eric, you just had Merchea. He's a rock star. He's created two amazing startups to help people manage their own health. And while that may be true, you are also an entrepreneur, a business owner, a creator, a startup, whatever you want to call yourself. You are one of a very small percentage of human beings that have the courage and the vision to create something new. You're taking an idea and making it into reality. And that is pretty amazing, which makes you awesome. So, all right, have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.